All right, come with me please to Genesis chapter 24. Genesis chapter 24. And today we want to examine the life of another one of the Bible's notable women. And this one is Rebecca, the wife of Isaac. In our last study, we looked at the life of Sarah, and uh, we concluded in chapter uh, 23, where she had died at the age of 127. And now we're going to begin in a moment, and Isaac now is uh, 40 years old. His father Abraham is 140, and he thinks it's time to get his son a wife. And at 40 years old, I say, Amen. And uh, so the father uh, sends out his servant to find a wife for his son Isaac. And they did find a wife, a beautiful, beautiful bride called Rebekah, who was the granddaughter of Abraham's brother Nahor in Mesopotamia. And the scriptures also, uh, they portray, particularly in Isaac's early days, they portray Isaac as a type of Christ. Uh, you remember that image of uh, Abraham taking his son up to Mount Moriah, going to sacrifice him, uh, going to sacrifice his only, uh, no, well, it wasn't his only, but the, his beloved son. He was the main one, the one that carried all the promise and all the inheritance, and, uh, and how that he was going to be that sacrifice, that beloved son. And also, as we'll see in this story, how that the father sends out his servant to find a bride for his son, which would be uh, reminiscent and a type of God the Father sending the Holy Spirit to find a bride, us, for his son, uh, Jesus. And uh, certainly, uh, Isaac was a type of Christ until later on in his life uh, when he, through favoritism and some monumental bad judgments, uh, brought much strife and hurt into his family home and he uh, was quite a carnal man uh, in the end, sadly. And uh, so let us then begin our story here in Genesis chapter 24. And uh, let's have a look here at the life of this uh, remarkable godly woman, uh, Rebecca. And of course, we can't take her in isolation, so we have to look then at Isaac and how he got his bride and so forth. So, uh, reading from Genesis 24 then, reading verse 1. Now, Abraham is old. And uh, well advanced in age. And the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And so Abraham said to his oldest servant of his house, uh, most believe this is Eliezer, which is mentioned in Genesis chapter 15, verse 2. And so he said to him, he had ruled over all that he had, Please put your hand under my thigh, and I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that ye will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell, but ye shall go to my country and to my family and take a wife for my son Isaac. Now this putting a hand under the thigh was a uh, was little ritual uh, that came to making an agreement, something that would be binding, something that would be almost sacred. Uh, then this was done to show that they meant it and they would carry out uh, the, the, the word to the letter. And what the word was that you were to go to uh, Mesopotamia, to Abraham's family, to uh, his brother there and his whole extended family, and out of all of that, 
then you're to find a bride for my son Isaac. I do not want to marry any Canaanite. He lived among the Canaanites. That was the promised land that God had gave them. They had to live amongst the Canaanites. They saw their lifestyle, and he wanted to make sure that this son of promise, the one that messianic line would come through, would not in any way be involved with a Canaanite, with a pagan, who really lifestyle was horrible. And so that was the orders that the servant got. And then in verse 5, the servant said to him, Perhaps the woman will not be willing to follow me to this land. Uh, this was about 500 miles away, so it was a long way to go, and it would be a long way for this young woman to come. And, and if she did come, probably she would never ever see her family again. So you can understand why the servant is saying, Perhaps the woman will not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I take your son back to the land from which you came? That seems a reasonable, logical thing to ask. But Abraham said to him, Beware that you do not take my son back there. The Lord God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my family, and who spoke to me and swore to me, saying, To your descendants I will give this land, and he will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. And if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be released from this oath. Only do not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. Obviously, Abraham didn't want his son to go back there because if he went back there and found his bride there, he might say, well, I like it here, and I've got extended family. It looks a good area to set up home and so forth. And the temptation would be to stay there rather than Cana, which God had promised him. That was the land that God had promised. So the orders were very explicit. Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed. For all his master's goods were in his hand, and he rose and went to Mesopotamia, to the city of Nahor, and he made his camels kneel down outside the city by a well of water at evening time, the time when women go out to draw water. Then he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, please give me success this day and show kindness to my master Abraham. And so he's praying, and he's every right to pray, because this is... No mean feat he's been asked to perform. He's got to get a bride for his master's son, and any old bride won't do. It's got to be the right one. In fact, it's got to be God's choice. Not his choice, but God's choice. So you can see why this man is in prayer. And so he said, Behold, here I stand by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Now let it be that the young woman to whom I say, Please let down your pitcher that I may drink. And she says, drink, and I will also give your camels a drink. Let her be the one you have appointed for your servant Isaac. And by this, I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. And so this would be a good test, obviously, to ask the young woman for a drink. Uh, nothing unusual in that. That would be fairly ordinary request. But then for her to say, not for him to suggest, but for her to suggest, oh, by the way, I really want to feed your camels too. I want your camels to have a drink as well. Well, that would be a big, big thing. Ten camels can drink a lot of water, especially after the travel traveled 500 miles. And so it happened before he had finished speaking that behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother. And so this is Abraham's brother's great-granddaughter, or, or granddaughter, I should say. And so... She came out with her pitcher on her shoulder. 
Another young woman was very beautiful to behold, a virgin. No man had known her. And she went down to the well and filled her pitcher and came up. And the servant ran to meet her and said, Please let me drink a little water from your pitcher. And so she said, Drink, my lord. Then she quickly let down her pitcher to her hand and gave him a drink. And when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. Then she quickly emptied her pitcher into the trough, ran back to the well to draw water, and drew for all his camels. And the man, wondering at her, remained silent so as to know whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. The signs were looking good, but he just needed a moment to compose himself and just to think it through. Now, that little happening tells us quite a bit about this young woman, Rebecca. First of all, she was dutiful. It was no easy job to, to fetch everyday water for the whole family from a well. It was hard, tough work. And notice here that she's the first to arrive. So she's not immune to doing a bit of hard work. Notice how courteous and civil she is, calling this man Lord. And I will get your camels a drink. And notice how also that she wasn't afraid to roll up her sleeves and get stuck in to help this man. And probably was a lover of animals, looking over and seeing these ten camels who would be very dusty and hot and no doubt their tongues were hanging out to travel 500 miles. She took pity on them and she says, by the way, do you mind if I water your camels also? That was going to be quite a lot of work as well. And so all the signs are good. This is an industrious, courteous, civil, compassionate young woman. All, all the attributes that anybody would want in a wife. Amen? Come on. Amen. Oh, for goodness sake, what a bunch. What a bunch I got this morning. Anyway, here she is. And now he's thinking about it. And by the time she finishes watering the camels, he's made up his mind. This is it. That she's the one. And so it was, verse 22, so it was when the camels had finished drinking, that the man took a golden nose ring weighing half a shekel and two bracelets for her wrists weighing ten shekels of gold and said, Whose daughter are you? Tell me, please. Is there room in your father's house for us to lodge? And so by giving her these gifts, uh, he's making his intentions a little bit known here. You know, that there's something going on here. And she's not so slow, this young woman. She's realizing something's happening here. Not every day you come out here and somebody gives you all this gold jewelry. There's something going on here. And she said to him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, Milcah's son, whom she bore to Nahor. Moreover, she said to him, We have both straw and feet enough and room to lodge. And the man bowed his head and worshipped the Lord. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his mercy and his truth towards my master. As for me being on the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. And so the young woman ran and told her mother's household these things. Notice whom she told, her mother's household. A very girly thing, this. She, she got the feeling, something's going on here. I need to tell mom about this. And uh, now Rebecca had a brother whose name was Laban. And Laban ran out to the man by the well. 
So it came to pass when he saw the nose ring and the bracelets on his sister's wrist, when he heard the words of his sister Rebekah saying, Thus the man spoke to me, that he went to the man, and there stood by the camels at, and there he stood by the camels at the well, and he said, Come in, O blessed of the Lord, why do you stand outside? For I have prepared the house and a place for the camels. Then the man came to the house, and he unloaded the camels, and provided straw and feed for the camels, and water to wash his feet, and feet of the men who were with him. Food was set before him to eat, but he said, I will not eat until I have told about my errand. And so this servant is very diligent. It would be normal for them to have something to eat first, and then to carry the message, but he couldn't want to wait that long. He'd got to get this off his chest. The Lord had led him this way. All the signs were good. He's now came at the family. He feels this is the prospective bride. He's got to talk about it. He's got to tell the story. So he said, I'm Abraham's servant. The Lord has blessed my master greatly and has become great and he has given him flocks and herds and silver and gold and male and female servants and camels and donkeys and Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master when he, she was old. And to him he has given all that he has. Now my master made me swear, saying, You shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land I dwelt. By the way, he's just reciting what we already know. But Rebekah now is hearing the full story for the first time, actually. But you shall go to my father's house and to my family and take a wife for my son. And I said to my master, Perhaps the woman will not follow but he said to me, The Lord before whom I walk will send his angel with you and prosper your way. And you shall take a wife for my son from my, from my family and from my father's house. And you will be clear from this oath when you arrive among my family. For if they will not give her to you, then you will be released from my oath. And this day I came to the well and said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, if you will prosper the way in which I go, behold, I stand by the well of water, and it shall come to pass when the virgin comes out to, virgins come out to draw water, and I say to her, Please give me a little water from your pitcher to drink. And she says to me, Drink, and I will draw water for your camels also. Let her be the woman whom the Lord has appointed for my master's son. And before I finish speaking in my heart, there was Rebekah coming out with her pitcher on her shoulder. And she went down to the well and drew water, and I said to her, Please give me a drink. And she made haste, and let her pitcher down from her shoulder, and said, Drink, and I will also give your camels a drink. So I drank, and she gave the camels a drink also. Then I asked her, and she said, Who, and I said, Whose daughter are you? And she said, The daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, whom Milcah bore to him. So I put a nose ring on her nose and bracelets on her wrists. And I bowed my head and worshipped the Lord and blessed the God, Lord God of my master Abraham, who had led me in the way of truth to take the daughter of my master's brother for his son. Now, if you will deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me, and if not, tell me, that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing comes from the Lord. We cannot speak to you either good or bad, bad or good. Here is Rebekah before you. Take her and go, and let be your master's and let her be your master's son's wife, as the Lord has spoken. And it came to pass when Abraham's servant heard these words that he worshipped the Lord, bowing himself to the earth. And the servant brought out jewelry of silver, jewelry of gold, and clothing, and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave precious things to her brother and to her mother. And he and the men who were with ate and drank and stayed all night. Then they rose in the morning, and he said, Send me away to my master. 
He wasn't going to hang around. Sure he wasn't. But her brother and mother said, Let the young woman stay with us a few days, at least ten, that she may go. And that would be understandable, wouldn't it? You know, they had, they had, Nahor hadn't seen his brother Abraham since he left all those years ago. And he's probably ragging, I'll never see my daughter ever again. So that would be a fairly logical, sensible, reasonable request, wouldn't it? But the servant said, Do not hinder me, since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away so that I may go to my master. Eleazar is no dozer, as we say. He's probably thinking, I, I need to move fast here. This is going really, really well. And if, if we stay another 10 days, who knows? She may be talked out of this. <laughs> you know, she may think, this is a long way to go and I, I've never met this man and all the rest of it. So he says, no, let's go. And so they said, we will carry the young woman. We will ask, we will, sorry, we will call the young woman and ask her personally. Then they called Rebecca and said to her, will you go with this man? And she said, I will go. How decisive is that? This young woman felt God's in this. The Lord is speaking here. And nothing is going to hold me back. Now you really, 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 really need to know the Lord for your prospective partner. You really need to know the Lord. And this young woman really knew the Lord. This was a godly young woman. Brought up godly. Prayed much probably. This was the moment. She said, I will go. So they sent away Rebekah, their sister, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant, and his men. And they blessed Rebekah and said to her, Our sister, may you become the mother of thousands of ten thousands. May your descendants possess the gates of those who hate them. Then Rebekah and her maids arose, and they rode on the camels and followed the man. You know, I was thinking of that the other day. These were the same camels that she had watered the day before. Little did she know when she was watering those camels that in 24 hours they would be carrying her to meet her bridegroom. Isn't the Lord amazing, isn't it? And so the servant took Rebekah and departed. Now Isaac came from the way of Beer Lahai Roy, for he dwelt in the south. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field in the evening. And he lifted up his eyes and looked, and there the camels were coming. Now Isaac went out in the evening to meditate in the fields. Uh, no question about that, that would include prayer. He knows that his father has sent a servant to find a wife for him. You can be sure he's praying. You can be sure when he went out to meditate, you know what's on his mind. Oh God, please make this the one. I, I trust my father. You know, he's 40 years old. I trust my father. He's a good father. He's a godly man. He's heard from heaven. Please, God, make sure that servant hears from heaven also. I'm sure this is what this man was praying. So he's out every night in the fields, away from the house and away from the hustle bustle, on his own, meditative. I think that was the type of Isaac anyway. I think he would have been a meditative man, a man that would ponder much and think about things and pray about things. At least in his early days he did. And he lifted up his eyes and looked, and there the camels were coming. Then Rebekah lifted her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from her camel, for she said to the servant, Who is this man walking in the field to meet us? The servant said, It is my master. 
So she took a veil and she covered herself, which would be the custom of the day, so they wouldn't actually see her before the marriage ceremony. And servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. Then Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent, and he took Rebekah, and so she became his wife, and he loved her. And so Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. And so that's a lovely little story, isn't it? It's lovely how the Lord and that servant, Abraham and Isaac and Rebekah, all in harmony, everything was working really well. And suddenly when she saw him, she loved him. When he saw her, she loved, he loved her. Uh, and, and, and they get married and they set up home together and everything is going wonderful. Now, after that, when you come into chapter 25, because you're going to have to skip parts, what you find is that, that Sarah has died. His mother had been dead uh, three years by this time. And, uh, and Abraham thought it's time to remarry. So he takes another wife who gives him six more sons. And uh, then there's a little bit of history about that. And also, as you read down, you'll find out that he lived to, he was 175 at Abraham, and then he was uh, gathered to his fathers. Then as you read on a little bit, you see a little bit of history of Ishmael and, uh, and how the Ishmael died at 137 years old. Now, the importance of that may come in a little bit later. And then from verse 19, uh, they're married now 19 years. You see how things kind of skip on pretty quickly in a space of a one or two verses. So they're married now for 19 years. This is the genealogy of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah's wife, the daughter of Bethuel, the Syrian of Padanaram, the sister of Laban, the Syrian. Now Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren. Married 19 years. No children has come from this union. He knows that he's the promised son, that he knows from, from him the messianic line will come, but there's no baby. And so he gets to pray, really praying for his wife to conceive. Now, thank God he wasn't like his father Abraham. At least at this point in his life, he's godly, he's thoughtful, he's prayerful. And rather than getting some Egyptian maid like his father did, he takes it to the Lord in prayer. And guess what? The Lord answers his prayer. And the Lord granted his plea. And Rebekah, his wife, conceived. But, there's a big but, but the children struggled within her. And she said, If all is well, why am I like this? So she went to inquire of the Lord. Now, there was no ultrasounds in those days. There was no ultrascans. There was nothing in those days. Obviously, midwives, this is first time for this mother, but midwives would, would, would know the feelings of what was probably going on, and they would probably say it's just fetal movement. Maybe you wouldn't use those technical terms, but they'd say that, Obviously, she was having twins. These twins, there's just movement within your body, nothing to worry about. But she was worried because she really, this is more than just fetal movement. Something's going on here. Something's happening. I don't know what it is. I need to pray about it. And she was right. And so she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb. Two people shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. 
Now that is very, very, very important, that last line. The older shall serve the younger. Now she had no idea at this point what all of this meant. But she knew God was speaking. Something was happening inside of her. And suddenly now she's getting a picture. Hey, this is bigger than I ever imagined. Something really big is happening in my life. And it truly was. So when the days were, her days were fulfilled for her to give birth, and indeed there were twins in her womb, the first came out red. He was like a hairy garment all over. So they called his name Esau, which means hairy. Afterward, his brother came out, and his hand took the hold of Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob, or heel grabber, or supplanter. So this is the struggle that's going on in the womb and it's even outside the womb that's happening. And it was to continue the rest of their lives, by the way. And Jacob, I, uh, called, uh, sorry, and his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. And so the boys grew. And Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, but Jacob was a mild man dwelling in tents. Now that tells us quite a lot about these two men. Not little boys, I mean the men now. First of all, it says Esau was a skillful hunter. In Hebrews chapter 12, it tells us that Esau was a profane man, an irreligious man, a godless man, and that he was a fornicator. So he was a very carnal, godless fornicating playboy. He had no need to hunt. That was a sport to him. There was no wild beast to bother the family where they lived. I mean, they had tons of sheep and goat and donkeys. It wasn't for food, really. It was for sport. That's all he did. I mean, his family had tons of money. He didn't really need to work, he believed. So he just went out as the playboy. And do you know what the sad part about it is? His father has now become a carnal man, desperately favors this wasteful playboy son as opposed to Jacob, the plain man or the mild man. Actually, the word is complete man, perfect man. In other words, a mature man. Think of a, a mature man. And the Bible talks about Job in the Old Testament who was a perfect man who eschewed evil, means he was a mature man. And so Jacob was a, a man who stayed at home, dwelt amongst the tents. He did his work, but he would be the spiritual man of the two. So there's quite a difference in these two uh, men. And it says here that Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, or of his venison, the King James says. So you can see a man now whose who's favoritism is solely based on what this guy's ability to do get in venison. That's how carnal this man's become. Maybe the soft living has done this on him. I don't know. But this is what he's like because he ate of his game. But Rebekah loved Jacob. Now, I think it was more than just being a mummy's boy. I think that she saw if this messianic line is going to come through our family, it's certainly not going to come through Esau. It's going to come through Jacob. 
And anyway, I remember the promise of God that the older Esau would serve the younger Jacob. And she never forgot that. But how many know when you start to play favorites in a family, it's going to cause trouble. It's going to cause a lot of tension. And Isaac and Rebekah really had their favorites. And the Bible tells us very clearly who they were. Now it says, Now Jacob cooked a stew. And Esau came in from the field. And he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, Please feed me that same red stew. For I am weary. Therefore his name is called Edom or Red. Uh, you get nicknamed Red after that. That was his nickname, Red. <laughs> he was a hairy man called Red. He loved to be out in the fields shooting deer with bows and arrows. It was through him came the Edomites. And the Edomites, you may remember, became enemies of the Israelites many, many times. They were a thorn in their flesh. And even when you come into the New Testament, you find that the Herods, the Herods were Edomites. The Herods came from Esau originally. And the Herods were very much against Christ. You remember Herod the Great was the one who slaughtered all the babies in order to try to kill the little infant Jesus. And you remember it was his son, Herod Antipas or Antipas. He was the one who cut the head of John the Baptist. And it was the same one who cut the head of John the Baptist later on at Christ's trial when Pilate sent him to him because he was the governor of Judea and sent him to him and he made a whole big show and wanted to see some miracle and Jesus wouldn't even speak to him. You remember what they did? They stripped Jesus and they put this gorgeous robe and they mocked him and they beat him and sent him back to Pilate. So that comes from that line. So he comes in and he says, I'm weary, I'm tired, and I'm hungry. Make me some of that. Give me some of that good red stew there. And Jacob said, sell me your birthright as of this day. I think at that point Jacob just had enough of this fella. I think, he, I think he looked at him just disgusted and thought, this man doesn't even care about the things of God one iota. He doesn't care about his birthright anyway. You know, the birthright was very, very important. It was important economically because you get the double portion. It was important politically because you'd be ahead of the family, the extended family. It was important spiritually because God would put you as the priest of the whole home, as it were. So all these things were important, but Jacob looked at him and he thought, this man cares nothing for any of these things. Maybe he cares about the money. He certainly doesn't care about spiritual things. So he says, uh, sell me your birthright as of this day. And Esau said, look, I am about to die. <laughs> That's an exaggeration, isn't it? I am about to die. So what is this birthright to me? I'm hungry, I'm tired, I'm weary. I care nothing about the birthright. I'm about to die with starvation. Big exaggeration, wasn't it? And Esau said, I'm about to die. Jacob said, swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau the bread and stew of lentils, and then he ate and drank and arose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. And that tells you all you need to know about Esau. A totally unspiritual, godless, profane fornicator. He cared not a jot about the things of God whatsoever. Do you know, even though 
Jacob, and you're going to see some deceit here in a moment, even though you see Jacob and Rebekah doing deceit, but you know the Bible never ever, God, I should say, never ever criticizes Jacob. He doesn't, you can't find it. Isaac and his brother Esau does, but God doesn't. In spite of all of his faults and feelings, God saw a man who could carry on the messianic line, who did care about spiritual things. So, Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank and arose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Then in chapter 26, which we're not going to take time to read, uh, you'll see here that there was a famine in the land and Isaac was planning to go to Egypt like his dad, which would have been a big mistake, but God arrested him, told him, don't go into Egypt, stay in Gerar. And he went there and lo and behold, then he made another mistake. And he did what his father did when he was in Egypt. He looked at his wife, Rebekah, who was a beautiful young woman, obviously a younger woman than he was. He was absolutely beautiful. And he thought, if I go here, Abimelech the king, not the same Abimelech that Abraham had the problem with because Abimelech was just a title rather than a king's name. It was a title like Nero or Pharaoh. This Abimelech, if I go there, they'll think... <laughs> they'll take you. You'll, they'll just take you off me. So you say, "I'm your sister," and that's what Abraham's father did, didn't it? Actually, it wasn't his sister; it was his second cousin. It wasn't even close, was it? That was allowed in those days. So if you read on there, that was the way it was. And then one day, the king looks out his window, and lo and behold, Isaac and Rebekah. The Bible says they were caressing. So they were in an intimate embrace. And he thought, there is no way that is his sister. <laughs> and so there's a whole big row went on. And I mean, there's a whole intrigue goes on there which we haven't time to go into. Uh, so then, by the way, just skip on right down that, through that whole chapter. And there's just a little tailpiece in here in verse 34 about Esau. It says, when Esau was 40 years old, he took wives, took his wives, Judith, the daughter of Beri, the Hittite, and Basimath, the daughter of Elon the Hittite. So whenever Isaac got Rebekah as a godly young woman, he would out what he did. He got two pagan wives. And it says they were a grief of mind to Isaac and Rebekah. They were a grief of mind. Every parent dreads getting a son-in-law or a daughter-in-law who's going to be a grief of mind to them. <laughs> Amen, parents? Isn't that right? That is right. And so they were a grief of mind to them. Then it came to pass when Isaac was old. He's 138 years old at this time. His eyes were so dim that he could not see. Maybe he had glaucoma. Maybe cataracts. Maybe he's very ill health. We don't know. His eyes were dim that he could not see that he called Esau his older son, and he said, My son, and he answered, Here I am. Now he thinks he's going to die. He lived another 42 years after this, by the way, but he thinks he's going to die. Maybe because his health is failing. Maybe because he's thinking, Well, my brother Ishmael, my half-brother, he died at 137. I'm 138, and I'm going down the hill a bit here. So I better, I better put my house in order. 
and I better give the patriarchal blessing before I die. Well, he wasn't about to die, but he thought he was. This is all in the plan of God, isn't it? And he said, here I am. And he said, behold, now I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now therefore, take your weapons, your quiver and your bow and go out to the field and hunt game for me. Here's a carnal man. He's about to die. He's going to give the blessing. All he can think about is his belly, his appetite, his senses, his flesh. And make me savory food such as I love and bring it to me that I may eat and that my soul may bless you before I die. Now Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to Esau, his son. And Esau went to the field to hunt game and to bring it. So Rebekah spoke to Jacob, her son, saying, Indeed, I heard your father speak to Esau, your brother, saying, Bring me game and make savory food for me, that I may eat it and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice according to what I command you. Go to the flock and, I will, and bring me uh, from there two choice kids of the goats, and I will make savory food from them for your father, such as he loves. Then you shall take it to your father, that he may eat it, and that he may bless you before his death. Now, I can understand Rebecca. She's a godly woman. She looks at her husband, and she's very disappointed. She sees him being very, very carnal. She sees him playing the favorite right to the end. He thinks he's going to die. And right to the very end, he's disobeying what God has said. And he knows it. But at this point, he doesn't care. He's, his son, favorite son, he's going to make sure he gets the blessing regardless of what God has said. And I can understand Rebecca panicking. Now she's acting here in panic. She's not using her faith here. She should have trusted God and said, God, I don't know what to do. You sort this out. I mean, this is coming right down to the wire. She knows that before that day is out, before the sun sets, the son is going to get the blessing. He shouldn't be getting it. And the one that should be getting it is not going to get it. So she feels, I have to do something. How many knows when you try to help God out, you're going to run into problems. God's very capable of helping himself out. Thank you very much. But we panic. And we lose our faith. And we say, I've got to make this work. I've got to do something. And so that was her position. But I can understand that. God, by the way, doesn't condemn her either. That doesn't mean he condones deceit. But he brought good out of bad. So, here's what she said. Or here's what he said. And Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Look, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I am a smooth-skinned man. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I should seem to him to be a deceiver. He's more worried about seeming to be a deceiver than actually being a deceiver here. And I shall bring a curse on myself and not a blessing. And his mother said to him, Let your curse be on me, my son, but only obey my voice and go get them for me. And he went and got them and brought them to his mother. And his mother made savory food such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the choice clothes of, his elder son, of her elder son Esau, which were in her house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And she put the skins of the kids of the goats on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. Then she gave the savory food and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob, so he went to his father and said, My father. 
Now listen to this. He said, here am I, who are you, my son? Because he can't see. And Jacob said to his father, I am Esau. There's the first lie. I am Esau. You're firstborn. There's the second lie. I have done just as you told me. There's the third lie. You know, when you start to lie, it just gets easier and easier, doesn't it? Please arise, sit and eat of my game. King James says, my venison. Well, it was goat. There's another lie. That your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, how is it that you found it so quickly, my son? Ah. Isaac said to Jacob, sorry, and he said, this is the biggest lie of all, he said, because the Lord your God brought it to me. Wow. He's even brought God into this. Isaac said to Jacob, Please come near that I may feel you, my son, whether you really are Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, and he felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands, so he blessed him. Then he said, Are you really my son Esau? And here's another lie. The sixth lie, he said, I am. So he said, Bring it near to me, and I will eat of my son's game, so that my soul may bless you. So he brought it near to him, and he ate, and he brought him wine, and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come near now and kiss me, my son. And he came near and kissed him. He smelt the smell of his clothing, and he blessed him, and he said. Let's just pause there for a moment. Here is a godly man who's become a carnal man. Here's a godly man who now is driven by his flesh and by his senses. His sight has gone. That sense has failed him. His touch has deceived him. He felt the hair, goat hair, and thought it was his son Esau. His smell has deceived him. Oh, he can smell the field of his son's clothes, but it's deceived him, hasn't it? His taste has deceived him. He doesn't even know the difference between goat and venison anymore. His hearing still works. But because all of his other senses has deceived him and failed him, he gives in to what he hears and decides against it. See, whenever we govern our lives by our flesh, we're going to be deceived. If all we go on is our flesh, our feelings, what we feel, what we sense, other than what God has said, especially what God has said in this book, then I promise you and guarantee you, you will be deceived by your flesh. There's not a one of us in this room, there's not a one of us listening today that has not been deceived by our flesh. It's very, very subtle. And here's a man totally deceived. And so, he begins to bless him. 
And he said, Surely the smell of my son is like the smell of the field which the Lord has blessed. Therefore may God give you of the dew of heaven, of the fatness of the earth, and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you, and nations bow down to you. Be master over your brethren, and let your mother's sons bow down to you. Curse be anyone, everyone who curses you, and blessed be those who bless you. What a blessing. What a tremendous blessing. And that happened as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob. And Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father. Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. And he also had made savory food and brought it to his father. And said to his father, Let my father arise and eat of, my son, of the, his son's game, that your soul may bless me. And his father said to him, Who are you? So he said, I am your son, your firstborn, Esau. Then Isaac trembled exceedingly. The original says he shook exceedingly. He was shaken to the very core. And that moment he realized everything. He realized that his flesh had let him down. He realized that his son Jacob and his wife Rebekah, who by the way took a big chance on this, because for all she knew, his, his, her husband may never speak to her again over this deception. Took a massive risk here. And now he's beginning to realize, above all things, he's beginning to realize, I was disobeying God. And God has had to do, allow this to happen in order to shake me and bring me to my senses. I tell you, this, this was a salutary lesson for this, but this was a big moment in his life and it shook him to the very core. And so he trembled exceedingly and said, Who? Where is the one who hunted game and brought it to me? And I ate of it before you came and I have blessed him and indeed he shall be blessed. I cannot take it back. He shall be blessed. When Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with an exceeding great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, me also, O my father. Suddenly he's realized he's lost the main blessing. He's lost it. Henry Morris says what he sold for a bowl of stew he couldn't buy back for a dish of meat. So he says, Bless me, O my father. And he said, Your brother came with deceit and has taken away your blessing. And Esau said, Is he not rightly named Jacob, supplanter, or cheat, or heel grabber? For he has supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright. Actually, he didn't. He sold it to him. And the Bible makes that abundantly clear. That's why the Bible says it more than once. He sold his birthright. He took away my birthright, and now he has taken away my blessing. And he said, Have you not reserved a blessing for me? Then Isaac answered and said to Esau, Indeed, I have made him your master, and all his brethren I have given to him as servants. With grain and wine I have sustained him. What shall I do now for you, my son? <laughs> Not much left. By the way, it shows you, thinking he was blessing Esau, it shows you how little there would have been left for Jacob had he done this. And Esau said to my father, have you only one blessing, my father? Have you not even one blessing? Is there nothing left? Just even one? <sighs> Have you only one blessing, my father? Bless me, me alone, O oh my father. 
Me also, my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and he wept. And Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, Behold, your dwelling shall be of the fatness of the earth and of the dew of heaven from above. Well, that would suit him. He was materialistic minded all along. And by your sword you shall live. You shall serve your brother. And it shall come to pass when you become restless that you shall break his yoke from your neck. So Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, The days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. And the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Surely your brother Esau comforts himself concerning you by intending to kill you. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise and flee to my brother Laban in Haran and stay with him a few days until your brother's fury turns away, until your brother's anger turns away from you, for he forgets and he forgets what you've done to him. And I will send and bring you from there. Why should I be bereaved also of you both in one day? See what you said? Son, your brother's going to kill you. Here's what I want you to do. Go down to my brother Laban in Mesopotamia just for a few days. And then when the heat goes out of this, I'll send for you again. Those few days lasted 20 years. And she never, ever saw her son again. And Jacob never saw his mother again. Heavy, heavy, heavy price to pay for not trusting in the Lord to work the things out. Panicking and acting out something. Listen, God would have found a way. <clears throat> yes, he brought God out of this, but God, <clears throat> God would have found a way. No question of that. A heavy, heavy price was paid by both mother and son for this. So, Where am I? Somebody tell me where I left off. 46. Thank you. And Rebekah said to Isaac, I am weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. That was her two daughters-in-law, Esau's wives. They all lived under the same roof. So I am weary because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob takes a wife of the daughters of Heth like these, who are my daughters of the land, what good will my life be to me? Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said to him, But you shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to Padanaram, to the house of Bethel, your mother's father, and take yourself a wife from there of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. May God Almighty bless you. Now he's blessing him again. Isaac has realized He's seen what he had almost done. What a tragedy it would have been. But he's now realized. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you. May you be assembly of peoples and give you the blessings of Abraham to you and your descendants with you that you may inherit the land Excuse me, <clears throat> in which you are a stranger which God gave to Abraham. So Isaac sent Jacob away and he went to Padanaram to Laban, the son of Bethuel, the Syrian, the brother of Rebekah, the mother of Jacob and Esau. 
<clears throat> Just in closing, a little tail piece. The next couple of verses tells us that Esau, for whatever reason, whether he wanted to garner some again with his father, his mother, who knows, but he decided he would go out and he get another wife, only this time a wife of the daughters of Ishmael. Was he trying to be a spiritual man now? We don't know. But what we do know is that through Jacob came the messianic line. Through Isaac, through Jacob, and all the way. Rebecca was a godly woman. Yes, she panicked. Yes, she could have used more faith. Yes, she tried to help God out. But in the end, she did it for the right reason, for the best of purposes. And God brought good out of that mess. And the messianic line continued. And the people of God went on. Amen? And so, that's the end of that story. Another one begins with Jacob going to Laban, but we can't go into that. <laughs> Crafty old Laban, <laughs> the old rogue. But anyway, and so, here's what we shall do. Uh, tonight is our wonderful musical. Do not miss tonight. Should you put skis on and ski down the hill? Get here tonight. It's going to be brilliant. It was fantastic last night. And uh, then following, I don't know what we'll do following on next week. I may do a few more, the, the woman, because there's loads of them. I may do a few more. I was planning on only doing the 12. There's one more to do after this, and I was planning to end it there, but I may do a couple more leading up to Christmas, and I may not. Don't hold me to that, but at least I'm going to do at least one more. Is that all right? Can you handle at least one more? Yep. All right. Okay, we'll see what we can do then. 